0: Oh, is it going in? It is! Unbelievable stuff from
1: Robbie Fowler. You're listening to the Robbie Fowler Podcast,
0: powered by McDonald's. Well, hello and welcome to the brand new Robbie Fowler Podcast in association with McDonald's McCafe. Great tasting coffee. Simple. It's myself, Chris McCarty, and I'm joined by, well, the star of the show, the main man. His name is in the title, for goodness sake. It is God Himself. It is the one and only Robbie Fowler. And Robbie, we're finally here, my friends. We've got this up and running.
1: It's been a it's been a bit of progress, Chris, hasn't it? <laughs> hey, thankfully we're here now, pal. That's we it. are. Let's get started.
0: <laughs> the, the the viewers and those listening in, they probably should know that it's taken us about two hours to get to this point, technically wise, but we are here and, and Rob, listen. I,
1: I, well, I mean what I will say, is it's obviously not down to myself, Douglas, is it? <laughs> no, nothing to do with I, you. I mean don't be don't be starting to me make, <laughs> make me look silly already.
0: No, you'll do that yourself over the course of the next (laughs) few weeks, I'm sure, Rob. But hey, listen, we are looking, well, the sun's shining at both ends. I'm in Dubai, you're in India. How is life over there? You're a manager again.
1: I am, pal, yeah. I'm uh, I'm obviously just, uh, there's a new club over here. I started in the I-League, in the ISL League. uh, And yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it, pal, to be honest. I was over in Australia, was was relatively successful in terms of taking a team who uh, were struggling. uh, And, you know, Helping them qualify for the Asian Champions League. Obviously, with what happened with the Dividers, um, wasn't to be. Uh, End up coming home, uh, get getting sacked, what I shall say. Uh, I was getting, uh, I was giving the elbow, <laughs> and then um, I was just sat at home. And then just this, this just just appeared from nowhere. And would I be interested? Obviously, did you do your due diligence? Um, and yeah, I just felt it was right. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a great club. You know, one of the biggest uh, and best in India. Uh, obviously we're in the I League, but I uh, had a chance to join the ISL pretty late uh, and I've obviously I've, I've come on board uh, we've joined the ISL and uh, yeah we're, do, we're doing okay you know we had a tough start but um, yeah I think the uh, certainly the last uh, three, four, five games have been uh, have been excellent
0: and you've got away from the kids and the wife so it's it's win-win uh, all round really
1: well I don't think the kids or the, the missus will be happy I think they probably will listen to this because obviously I'm in but <laughs> I've, listen, I've got to say I, uh, I I missed him, Chris, haven't I? Because imagine me saying, "I, yeah, I'm I'm away doing something that I love, but I'm away from the family," which is uh, which is not nice, to be fair.
0: No fair. And listen, just to give everyone a little bit of background, we've been talking about this for a good few months now, and and you and I have, have known each other for a good few years. We, we met up in Dubai, and and you're obviously a Liverpool legend. For those listening to this, don't tune off when I say this. You can probably hear it, that Mancunian <laughs> accent. I'm a big Man United fan, so I don't know how we've come together on this, Rob.
1: Uh, you know what? I don't myself, actually, because uh, I normally c- I couldn't stand people who support Man United. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so uh, what that's, a- that's, that's obviously a lie. I'm, I'm obviously pulling pulling your leg straight away. But look, I, I know how, how passionate you are about football. And I mean, what I will say is, I know you are a Man United fan, but the amount of, of love you give Liverpool, Chris, I think is incredible. No chance. And I don't, I listen, I don't care what you say. You love Liverpool, you really do, you really do, there's nothing you can say.
0: Any Man United fans watching or listening to this, a load of baloney that, I <laughs> am not a Liverpool fan in any way, shape or form.
1: Well, to to be you, fair though Chris, I mean you talk about us quite a lot though so I'm thinking you might be.
0: Well I have to because you're doing alright is what you are, <laughs> a first league title in 30 years so I've got no other choice but talk all things Liverpool in the but, last few months.
1: Yeah, well, to be fair, I mean, we had enough of talking about you for years, didn't we? So I think it's better to, uh, to obviously give us a little bit of look back, Chris, isn't
0: it? Is, is any superstitions from you, Rob? Because, you know, I look back on my childhood and, and again, a lot of people might be asking, how on earth does a, a northeast, a, a man from Scotland in the North East become a Man United fan? That's local. People will know that. That's local to be a Man United fan. But my loathing of Liverpool and, and perhaps, did you loathe Man United growing up, Rob? Um
1: loaded the load them? You know what? No, I didn't. Uh, and I mean, the best answer I can give you this is because I think when you actually tend to load something or, or really dislike them, I, th- I think you have to think about them. And I actually didn't really think about them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you've when when you when you got your eyes on something and you, and you really like something, you, you know, you talk about them all the time or, you know, you want to be that person or you want to support that team because you like them. But if there's someone you you, you dislike, you, well, you, you tend to not watch them or you know you, you don't pay attention to them. So my my focus and my aim and my goal was was just to uh, you know look after the teams that, that well the team that I supported. And of uh, course, that. that was Everton <laughs> Football Club.
0: <laughs> and that changed. <laughs> At what point did that change when Liverpool put a contract in front of you?
1: Uh, well, it was uh, a little bit before that, in all fairness. So when I was uh, Liverpool schoolboys. Obviously, Liverpool Schoolboys, as as people are all uh, aware of, um, is obviously no affiliation to Liverpool Football Club. But it's all the better kids in the area will go and play for for the schoolboys. And when you play for the schoolboys, you get selected to go to either any northwest club. Uh, whoever has uh, the scout to the game, um, there was obviously a few scouts at a few of the games that I was at. And the first scout that came up to me was uh, was a fellow called Jim Aspinall, who's, who's sadly no longer with us. Uh, and he was adamant that he wanted me to play my trade at Liverpool, and you know I, I think it's it's well documented I was an Everton fan, and uh, I think if Everton might have come first, you know it might have been a different story. But you know Jim was uh, he, he was he was adamant that he wanted me to go to Liverpool, and um, as I said, with the rest of his history, I went there, I never looked back, and and even when I was a little bit older, you know I was uh, when I say a little bit older, I was uh, 11 when I first went to the academy, uh, Liverpool academy, which was then a centre of excellence. Uh, but when I was about 14, then, then to the time you can become, um, you know, associated with that club by signing the schoolboy forms uh, and Everton were desperate for me. But because I'd been at Liverpool for, you know, for the three years and, you know, the training twice uh, twice a week on a Tuesday and Thursday, uh, I just felt a lot of love at Liverpool. And I mean, I, I was just, I was changed then, really. So it was obviously before all the money came into, before all the, um, you know, the. the the, the stick or whatever you know I I was I was a Liverpool fan from you know maybe maybe 12 years of age actually from I I, I, I sort of grew up at Liverpool you know that was all my my upbringing in terms of football
0: and tell me this Rob as a fan do you still because I mean listen I'm what 34 now I'm a father time is of the essence you're you're only 34 are you cheeky bugger Cheeky bugger! <laughs> I had a tough paper round, is what I had. But yes, would you believe I am only thirty-four, but I still, I still get the same buzz watching the games, checking the results first thing in the morning. If I've missed it, whatever reason I've had to miss a game, are you still like that? Are you still like a child when you follow Liverpool results coming in, or because now that you're getting on in age, are yeah, you a no, bit uh, kind no, of?
1: I, I mean, I get what you're saying because I mean, I love the game, I love football, and I, I, I will, in fairness, watch most games. Uh, but for me, when Liverpool are playing, um, I, I mean, I will stay up and watch the games. And as you know, I'm I'm currently in India, which is obviously five and a half hours ahead of the UK. Uh, so when Liverpool are playing, um, you know, particularly at night, I mean, it just ruins my next day. Uh, I mean, forget about the results, if you win or lose. I mean, it just ruins my next day because I'm, I'm wide awake watching the games at maybe two, three o'clock in the morning. And I obviously get up and, and do stuff myself in the morning. So... Uh, watching Liverpool is is, is playing havoc with my uh, my sleeping partners. In all fairness, but I mean, this is why I love not just Liverpool fans, but football fans all over the world and, and the, the passion and the drive and the, the commitment, the, the, the dedication they show to, uh, to the clubs, I think it's just been quite incredible. It really is. And I'm, I'm witnessing it myself, to be honest.
0: Well, we've got an exciting few episodes. First season of the Robbie Fowler podcast. We're going to be joined by a number of special guests in, in the coming weeks. Today, it's all about, I guess, introdu- introducing ourselves to our listeners. And listen, Rob, I want to ask because... You are known, this might embarrass you a little bit, but you are known as God. Where on earth do you know where that came from? Obviously, you scored bagfuls of goals for Liverpool Football Club. But is, is, is there a story behind that? Do you attribute the nickname God to one person at the cop or, or someone at the club?
1: No, I think it was just a players, And just to go back to what you were saying, Chris, does it embarrass me? Not a chance. No, it's the best nickname in football. It's not bad. I don't think anyone could be embarrassed about that. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I don't go around calling myself it much. <laughs> to the wife. I mean, in fact, uh, yeah. No, I'm. I'm. I'm very, very humble. Uh, in fact, when I die, I want uh, humble to be written on my statue, Chris. You know. Yeah. Whatever. Humble and God and different yeah. levels. But that's, that's what it is. And look, I think when I um, when I went to Liverpool years ago, so I mean, it, it didn't obviously come straight away. But when I got into the first team, I think it was just that oh, you know, I had that Midas touch, and everything I seemed to to do seemed to work in my favour and sort of help the team out. So I think it might be Neil Ruddock actually. just went, oh my God, he's like God oh my god he is like god i just said that. i can't believe he just said that uh, and it just stuck and then obviously all the fans started to call me and uh i think you know what i love about it though chris in all fairness it is it can be quite um it quite it can be quite daunting actually because it is probably the most well the, the, the best nickname anyone could ever be called there's a lot to live up to admittedly uh, but when i think of liverpool and getting me serious here on for a little bit here but when i think about liverpool and all the unbelievably great players they've had over the years and then you've got this little uh, snotty-nosed kid from you know one of the, the rougher areas in liverpool who gets christened god i mean it's, it's i find it quite unbelievable in all fairness and uh so to go back to what we were saying before about am I embarrassed not a chance it's actually <laughs> lovely to be called it
0: uh, yeah I'll take that nickname all day long I've not got a nickname yet so we'll maybe oh, allow yeah, you not, to christen me yeah, something not yet yeah, yeah. you will have some by well, the end of these Chris uh, I'll tell you I, I'm sure I will but uh, listen I want to come back to something because uh, again I mentioned it a few minutes ago my I don't want to say loathing of Liverpool Football Club but my indifference to the club being a Man United fan and I want to tell this tale and I want you to admit if you've got something similar so who knows who's watching this who's listening to this but back in the northeast of Scotland my little village from where I'm from there was a Liverpool fan a mate of mine by the name of Kenneth his old boy Andrew obsessive Liverpool fan every match day he'd have the flags hanging out of his windows his living room window and his bedroom window and he would go to town if Liverpool were playing everyone around town would know Andrew Adam Liverpool fan Liverpool must be playing today now growing up I didn't have Sky so my mum's a single parent didn't have Sky and Kenneth and Andrew in fairness to them would always welcome me into their house to watch a bit of the footy on Sky normally Man United are playing and then maybe a Liverpool a Super Sunday so I would head round there. But but
1: but no no one really wanted to watch Man United in those days, Chris, did he? Really?
0: Come on now, ninety-four, ninety five, everyone yeah, wanted yeah, to watch actually, actually. Man United, all the oh, glory so, hunters. Oh,
1: oh, so that's what you are then? You've just admitted
0: you're a glory hunter. <laughs> that's fair (laughs) I can't can't deny it Rob I'm a bloody glory hunter right and I would pop round to his house and he was such an obsessive on his stairs uh, you go upstairs it was a a two up two down house council house uh, up in Scotland and what he had was is this this is Anfield the plaque as you come down the stairs and I kid you not that guy anytime he went to bed up to the restroom coming down he always made a point of touching it he was one of those and like, I, I loathed him from, from there because he was such a, he was a boorish, he was a massive Liverpool fan. And anytime I would go round, he would extend an invite to me. And normally, Rob, Man United would beat Liverpool and I would be celebrating silently. He'd be throwing stuff at the television. He'd be losing his, you know what. And it always stuck with me. And I do wonder, any players, do you, that this is Anfield sign, have you got that anywhere in your house?
1: Uh, no, but I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Actually, I think when when you do get sort of ingrained in uh, in Liverpool, and I uh, mean, I can get totally what you're saying about your friend there, and I think loathing them just for doing something he enjoys is a bit strong. in all fairness. It is unfair. Uh, it is. It is, and, and I mean, that doesn't make you a nice person. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't. That's on top of being a Man United fan as well. That's that's terrible. And Wait, a glory well, I what, Yeah. what I well I did Chris as well, and I remember being a. um being a YTS player, which was obviously the equivalent of a, an apprentice years ago. So uh, I remember wanting to do everything that the first team done. And I remember one of the uh, one of my first pay packets. I actually went into town and bought a Ghetto Blaster. Obviously, we all know what the Ghetto Blaster is in I remember just walking out, I think it might have been Dixon's or Curry's, and I'm walking down the street on my shoulder, doing the <laughs> i you walk down, because it was too big to carry. I remember getting home and just obviously playing all music. but then. I just thought, well, I need to sort of get ingrained with with my love of Liverpool from an early age. So what I went and done then is I went and bought a, um, a CD of uh, You'll Never Walk Alone. And I remember us playing, it was only the B team, uh, obviously the, the, the B team, the A team, reserves and the first team. So that was the uh, the levels that you had to get to before, uh, obviously, to make it into, uh, obviously, the first team. So the B team is the under-18s, uh, you know, we, we're playing Everton one game. And I'm thinking I'm gonna do this. So I went and got the CD. uh, Woke up in the morning, and before I left the house, I went into my bedroom and I played "You'll Never Walk Alone" on the CD. It was just before I left the house, <laughs> right. and you know what? We got B five. I was. I was absolutely devastated, I didn't listen to the song for a while afterwards, I thinking I need to get back into this song, but I I actually done it, I I bought the Ghetto Blaster, I bought the CD, played You'll Never Walk Alone, and my first experience of that song was a 5-0 defeat to Everton in the B-League, and I went, oh my god, what a nightmare that is. You've got to tell
0: us Rob, were you in full kit sitting in your bedroom (laughs) listening to You'll Never Walk Alone? No, only, only had my boots on, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> boots and shin pads. That was the only day. <laughs> well, that is amazing. Oh, that is brilliant. So, the... I, 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 that's the gospel truth, that as well. It's, it's, I mean. It's and you lost 5-0 to Everton I actually don't I I don't think I've ever told anyone that story in all honesty I I bloody well love it is what I do Rob that is belting (laughs) just on that then Everton do you keep an eye on them because obviously you you once upon a time had a bit of a love affair with them Do, do their results do you keep an eye on what they're doing the blue half
1: no, in all fairness, no. Um, I think when you, I mean, obviously towards the uh, the end of all these, uh, you know, podcasts that we're doing, there'll be lots of stories flying about our Everton. I'm sure anyway. But I think when you um, when you take the amount of stick that I've had from the Everton supporters, I think you tend to dislike them pretty quick. So uh, it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm Liverpool through and through. Mate, to be fair, I, Liverpool are the only results I will. Look out for in terms of, and uh, um, yeah, I mean to be honest, uh, the, the clubs who I've played for, I will look out for their results. Uh, but obviously, the, my love is Liverpool, and I, you know I, I want them to win more than anyone else. So uh, anyone else, you know, not really interested. Uh, you know, Everton growing up, nah. I obviously all, all my, all, actually all my family still support them. Actually, and uh, they, they, even they don't like me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> even they don't like me. You've not had a Christmas card from an uncle for about fifteen years, uh, thirty honestly, years. Honestly, I,
1: well, you, you can imagine Liverpool. Obviously, everyone, uh, sorry, on, on one side of my family is uh, is all blues, and one, on the other side of my family are all are all uh, reds. Uh, and you know, even when I was um, were playing against Everton, you know, I'd get phone calls from you know, you know, a lot of my uncles. You know, I hope you do well, but <laughs> I hope we smash you. It was uh, it was a, like a general
0: occurrence of a phone call? <laughs> I love it. The, the blue half and the red half. Of course, it is quite a friendly rivalry. There's a lot of respect for, for well-documented reasons that I'm sure we will touch on over the course of this first series of the Robbie Fowler podcast. What I want to do though, Rob, and listen, all jokes aside for a few moments, because your football club and, and the footballing world as well has kind of come together in, in the last few weeks. The sad passing of a man who I know played an important role in, in your career, Gerard Houllier, who passed away back on December the 14th. I know you were deeply affected by it. I saw some of the posts that you popped up on on social media, Rob. Give us your kind of tribute to Gerard, who who brought great success to the football club. I never had the the, the privilege to to meet Gerard myself. I've heard great things though about him, one of the real nice gentlemen of the game. Your own memories, Rob? Yeah, lots and lots of good ones.
1: And, And in all fairness, Lots of bad ones, to be fair. When I was obviously, uh, you know, within the squad, and you know, I'm not playing, you know, I'll, I'll put my hand up and say, you know, I didn't like him. You know, I'm, I'm a player who wanted to play all the time, um, and if, you know, when, whenever you're a manager and you're playing team, then you know, it, it's, it's not a good thing. Uh, but look, I massively respected him and, and understood much later. Uh, after leaving Liverpool what he was all about and what he was what he was trying to do to me uh, and everything that he was doing was uh, was beneficial to the club uh, now you know it was not really about individuals it was about the team and, and what he can do for the team uh, and he brought a he brought a professionalism to Liverpool you know Liverpool I'm not saying they were as professional as what they, they you know or he was, I mean, don't get me wrong, he was professional but he could have been a little bit more professionalism uh, involved at times. Uh, and Gerard coming in sort of uh, expanded that and, you know, he made the club what it is basically today. Uh, so, yeah, a lot lot, a lot of time for him. He's, um, he's a manager who wants to bring out the best in you, so regardless of what people think about him as, as a man, you know, as, as, as a man manager, um, you know, his, his football his football skills and his football uh, exploits were, were brilliant. He was instrumental in a lot of the good Liverpool, you know, brought to the table now. His professionalism, what he brought was uh, I think was seconded on. So I think when uh, I was growing up, it was all about what we could do as a team and, you know, I loved that. And bear in mind, every manager will have different opinions of, of going into games, what they should do, what they can't do. Uh, Gerard Houle's uh, emphasis was, look, you know, we're here to, to stop the opposition and we're here to obviously do the job ourselves, whereas in the past other managers who would just say, look, it's just all about us, you go out there, uh, you play the way you can and you'll beat teams. Uh, and that that's what I always loved about Roy Evans. Roy Evans, they give you that belief but I think Gerard came in, and his um, his synopsis was: look, we need to work so much more on the opposition. Uh, we need to do this. We need to do that, uh, and we need to try and get you better in in a large portion of uh, you know football-related businesses, if you like. Uh, and and for me, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I took a time to adapt to that because I was old school. You know, I'd come from a. From a background of watching the likes of Ian Rush, Steve Nicol, you know Ronnie Whelan, all these great Liverpool players, just go out and have a drink, and then all of a sudden go back to training and, and, and win everything under the sun. <laughs> but football was becoming more serious, more professional, and, and Gerard brought that in. Um, the, the video analysis, what we used to do with clubs, was was brilliant. Um, you know, sometimes me as an individual would would go in there, and certainly no disrespect to uh, any of the clubs that we played, but would play Coventry would play Middlesbrough would play Southampton and would we do that much analysis on their you know on their good play that you'd come out of the dressing room thinking that you were playing Brazil because <laughs> it was just well, this is what you've got to do to stop them and this is why they why they do it and sometimes you think well, maybe we need to show us the bad bits because you know we want to capitalize on that but he wanted to show you all the good bits and, and just get you prepared well this is what can happen uh, and it took me a while to get used to that and adapt to that. Um, and I wish I'd have got it a little bit more because um, certainly early days because I think what he what what he was bringing to the table was was what everyone's doing now which is like instrumental in football yeah. and it's, it's what I do now as as a, as a manager you know you, you want you want what's best for your team and you try and cover every box uh, and that's what that's what he did so you went into the uh, went onto the pitch you know Really knowing everything about the opposition, whereas in the years gone by, it was just, well, we just knew more more about us.
0: Yeah. Did he have a temper, Rob? Because, uh, again, a lot's been made of the fact lovely gentleman, always had time for people. The, uh, the, the tributes that have poured in for him would back that up. But did he have a temper? I mean, you've said that towards the end, perhaps the relationship a little fractured. Did you have a little tete-a-tete with him? Anything you yeah, can tell us a lot lots of times a lot
1: of times no fairness because I, I was passionate and I wanted to play and and he believed I needed to do all the things to get better and uh you know to, to help the team and uh to help the club and uh as I said before chris it was it was a case of look you know you, this is you know i'm I'm the manager uh you know and it's it's my way and you, you need to adapt if you want to still be at this club uh and it, it was tough for me it really was and uh, you know I'm not proud of saying this but you know it, it took me a long, long time to sort of get over that Uh, but when you sort of sit back and analyse afterwards that every sort of argument that you had and every chat that you had was was not because he was a nasty man it was because he was a good man who wanted you to be better and he wanted the team to be better so you, you try and you try and change things when when maybe it's a bit too late, mm. uh, and I wished what I know now, and, and even maybe a few years after Liverpool, I'd have known then. Then you know my career could have could have been at Liverpool for for, for much much longer. Uh, I, I wish that I'd have taken on board a lot lot quicker what he was uh, what he was educating me. Uh, and you look at the, um, I mean, you look at Steven Gerrard and you look at Carragher. Uh, I mean, they were probably similar to me in terms of their upbringing and what they were. Uh, they were old school, maybe a little bit lighter than me in terms of uh you know I was a bit older, but um what uh, what I'm saying here is you know Gerard got hold of them a lot lot quicker you know and they were they were relatively new to the old- uh, the old school type football, so he, he changed them quicker, and we see we see how good they became for the club and uh, maybe I was just a little bit too too late maybe I was a bit too long in the tooth, but I wish I'd have um adapted and accepted
0: that a little bit quicker. You say you're old school I can imagine and I remember being a wee nipper back then what was it 95 I think it was when the, the announcement came that Gerard was joining Liverpool Football Club as a co-manager that was foreign to me at the time there was no one at the top level that had co-managers I mean what must have you boys been thinking when the announcement comes that Roy's now got someone else alongside of him
1: Well I mean it was just a surreal experience uh, and it, it was difficult for the players because yeah, we're old school, and whenever there was a problem, we didn't really know who to go and see. So <laughs> you can imagine all the older players were we're going to see Roy Evans because he's he's our manager. Uh, I mean, from a from a club like Liverpool doing that was probably wrong. To be fair, You should have just got rid of Roy and then brought Gerard in. But to try and sort of amalgamate the two of them was, I think, it was wrong on so many levels. You know, Liverpool shouldn't be doing that. I'm not sure whether you'd have seen that at, at Manchester United. I, th- I think Sir Alex would never, never have accepted that. Uh, maybe Roy should have, you know, you know, put his foot down and said, "No, it's either he goes or or I go, or you know, if you want to bring him in, then you know, I've got to go." So yeah, so yeah, so for a club like Liverpool to be doing that, you know, it, I think it's, I mean, I think it's quite scary and it, it is quite surreal. I'm not sure whether you'd, you'd get that at Manchester United. So I Alex would never have accepted it. Um, so maybe Liverpool should have done that. You just said to uh, Roy Evans, "Look, this is what's happening. Uh, you either." you know take a backward step or you know Jarl comes in as uh, the sole manager and I think that's probably what should have happened uh, and just to give you a, obviously a quick story and we uh, we used to go to Norway every single year and uh after the game in Norway, we'd, uh, we'd have a few drinks in, uh, in, in a nightclub. Uh, There's a nightclub called Smoogies. I think it's no longer there. We've checked, Chris, we've checked. We've been back and checked, it's not there. So after this game, we'd all go there. So all the players would finish the game, and it's obviously a pre season game, straight back to the hotel. We're changed, uh, and we're out. But this particular year, Gerard Hull and Roy Evans, joint managers, uh, and we're thinking, oh, we're out, we're out. Anyway, after the game, we win the game pre one, gets on the bus gets back uh, gets back on the oh, sorry sits down on the bus Gerard Uli is away doing press uh, So Roy Evans is uh, doing press sorry Gerard Uli gets on the bus and joint managers gets on the microphone he says listen lads he said we'll flight, fly home tomorrow he said it in a slightly better French accent obviously Chris but he went listen lads he said we've got a uh, flight in the morning uh, everyone home a little bit of food uh, and straight to bed for, for an early rise and we're leaving for the airport so we're all thinking not a chance we're all going out here you know, we're, we're going back and we're going over the wall so anyway Roy Evans gets on the bus uh, bus goes back to the hotel bus parks up Roy Evans shoots off gets in his hotel Gerard O'Leary gets on the mic he said listen lads he said I, I genuinely said uh, hotel some food he said um, straight to bed he said flight early tomorrow he said if any of you think of sneaking out he said you just won't play for this football club ever again so we're thinking we'll have to really sneak out here you know what I mean there's, there's me <laughs> and about 12 other lads at the back we think we're we'll really sneaking out so anyway, Gerard Uli goes into his uh, into his room, goes upstairs. So we're all upstairs, gets our jeans on, gets our shirt on, gets in the lift. Me and probably about twelve other players get naming, in the lift. N- naming
0: names, Rob. Who else was culpable that night? Ah, we,
1: it, it, I mean it would it have been Mark Razor, <laughs> Dominic Matteo. You know all, all, the, uh, all the all the clan. It was all the all the clankers. So anyway, we, we, we get in this uh, we get in this lift and goes downstairs. We're just about to sneak out of the back door. Uh, and uh, Gerard Hulie's waiting there he said I tell you he said if any you step out of this hotel he said you will never play for this football club again and just as he said that there was a ping and the lift doors opened <laughs> and Roy, Roy Evans popped out and went come on boys let's hit the <laughs> town and we went we're with him <laughs> so you can <laughs> imagine that was, that was what we were dealing with as players and, and as much as it, there's like a, a funny element to the story and uh, when you've got sort of one manager whose belief is that's probably wrong. That, but one managers look, you know, this is uh, this is what you've got to do. and The other manager would look, let's go and uh, go what we need to do to, in terms of professionalism. Then uh, you know, it, it, it was hard, it was hard for us to take, but eventually the uh, the, the I mean the club seen only one way, and obviously Gerard became uh, you know the sole manager, and I mean what he did then was just I think quite a, quite astonishing, wasn't
0: it? Uh, please tell us, Rob, was it a good night? Uh, what was the name of that club again? It was Smookies. Yeah. Smookies. I actually Yeah, I actually don't remember if it was a good night, Chris, to be fair. <laughs> it was a bloody good night then, if that's what yeah. you're telling us. Yeah. I love that. This is the Robbie Fowler Podcast.
1: Powered by McDonald's. McDonald's McCafe. Great tasting coffee. Simple.
0: Dubai Eye 103.8. Listen, Rob, the other thing I want to do in this first episode of the new Robbie Fowler Podcast, I want to debunk some myths Uh, And some stories around you, Rob, because I've known you for a while and and I've said this to you both privately, I've said it publicly on various radio shows as well. I think you're a bit misunderstood. I think it really takes, you know, to spend a bit of time with you to, to really get to know Robbie further. I mean, I've told you this growing up. I didn't know you for goodness sake, but... Oh, whenever I saw you, I was like, oh, there he is. Robbie, bloody fowler. You, you didn't loathe me as well, Chris, did you? Not oh, maybe load, a bit strong, but I didn't <laughs> like you. I didn't like you. I thought, here he is. Because you were good. And, and invariably, against Man United, you always did pretty well against us. But getting to know you, you know, you're a football man. You know the game. And there's a few stories that I want to I debunk, if we can. I want to start. I'm going to take you all the way back to Highbury. I think you, you know where I'm going to go with this. I think it was the ah, yeah. 96, 97 season, if memory serves me, correctly. Up against Arsenal, you go down. I remember it was a little through ball. David Seaman comes out. You go down. You spring back on your feet. The, the referee's given the penalty, and you're going no, no, no. It's not. It's oh, not. There's a great through ball for Fowler to take on David Seaman. That's got to be a penalty, and it is. That's amazing. I think Fowler was saying no. I think Fowler's just skipped over the hand. of Seaman, the there's no contact. Was that you saying it's not a penalty? What was the conversation there?
1: Um, I mean, it's a funny one, is because it does get brought up quite a lot, as you can imagine. You're know, every year Liverpool play Arsenal, and, and this does get brought up. And I think, regardless of what people think about me, right? So, people might dislike me for whatever reason because I've scored goals or whatever, but I'm actually, I think, I'm a likable lad. I'm, I'm quite <laughs> shy, in all fairness, but when I'm in. When I'm in company of people who I know, then you know I'm, I'm more out of Michelle. But if I'm not in a, a crowd or I'm comfortable, then you mean you wouldn't know I'm there. You know, I, I just yeah. go out of the way. And I, uh, I'm quite pally with lots of lots of uh, you know ex footballers because you know I'd go and speak to them and I'd like I'd, I'd make fuss of people. So yeah, I mean with uh, with David Seaman, uh, he was obviously a, an England teammate, and when I obviously go through. Um, and he didn't touch me and I sort of jumped over him and, and people were you know maybe people thinking I was diving but I, I think it was just a case of look I, n- I never died I sort of jumped over him and uh, lost my balance and I'm one of them as well I think if it had stayed with my feet on the ground uh, what, what a lot of players do now uh, where you, you, you're, you're trying to mimic that contact uh, I think I could have hurt myself or I could have hurt him so I did jump over him and sort of lost my balance and I was just basically saying that you know he hasn't touched me, so you know I'm saying well it's obviously not a penalty. Um, I don't think Roy Evans, who was the manager, was very happy (laughs) with me at the time. Uh, But uh, yeah, I was just basically saying it wasn't a penalty. Penalty, and um, I mean a a few good things did come out of it. In all honesty, Chris, I actually got a a a fair play um, certificate from um, from UEFA, which is a proud place in 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 my house. And uh, the other one was uh, Jason McAteer got a, a, an advert for, for well for a for an air product I, don't, I think it was I think it was Wash and Go I'm yeah. not sure what it was but he scored his actually first Liverpool goal from uh, from me missing a penalty from the rebound so uh, I think he was happy with me and uh, what I will say as well is and I know you're going to say it now did I miss on purpose not a chance by the way you didn't And uh, the referee giver uh, and look who am I to argue with referees. He's given the penalty. I think we have to abide by that, Chris, don't we? Yeah,
0: well, fair enough. You did that. And, and, of course, Seaman did save it. So you didn't miss the penalty on purpose. You can categorically say that. Ah, not a chance, no, no. Yeah, I go on the football
1: pitch every single time and I, I want to win. So, you know, and I know there's a, there's an element of uh, maybe che- cheatiness. Is that even a word? Is it? Cheatiness? Well, well, it's not. It is but now. It, it, is. It, is. It, is. it is now. It is now. So there's an element of cheatiness uh, creeping into the game. And... Uh, I don't think you, you can win games by that, and um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I wanted when the referee gave the penalty, of course, I wanted to take it, I wanted to score, but it was just a rubbish penalty. It really was. I mean, they're
0: all they're they're, they're all rubbish when you miss, aren't they? they? They they certainly are. And now I've got that shirt. Uh, and for those on the podcast I am holding up that 1996-1997 Liverpool away shirt this courtesy incidentally of LFC retail right here in the UAE so big thanks to Craig and his team for supplying this now Robbie will be signing this we will be giving this away at the end uh, of the podcast and of course a chance for you to win that nice piece of kit this Rob and that's one memory yeah no, you know that kit I, th-
1: I think they are very very hard to get hold of you know really are I think they're like an um I mean, they are a proper collector's item then.
0: I've got one and you're going to sign it
1: for one uh, of well, our I know you've got one because you are a closet Liverpool fan that is a load uh, of look, nonsense you keep, you look you keep shaking your head Chris but you are you're definitely a closet one I don't care what you say you load this fella in Scotland <laughs> you, you, you probably went in there and you had a Liverpool top underneath your Man
0: United cardigan or whatever you want I'm telling that, you Man I United cardigan no I'm not well, 85 Rob cardigans well, were not worn in northeast of Scotland when I was a wee uh, nipper that's for sure well, it, well it, it was cold up there wasn't it so was you might you you might have had. I, I, that's another
1: thing it's just a, another quick question on that kit Chris What? Yeah. Uh, I bet you can't name the colour can you
0: oh cheaper cream no it's not B- it, I, B- be... There it is this colour of this shirt Are you, have you got a fancy name for this have you yeah, well yeah, well, I haven't too I, I mean the uh, the
1: maker actually brought out the, uh, the, the kit and it was a colour it was actually called Ecru. I'd never heard of it before that came out in all fairness
0: that's a great quiz question. The colour Ecru, never heard of it in my life. Probably because I didn't never paid too much attention. It is, to be fair what, though, what, 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 uh, we, we know that's false. What a false claim by yourself! It's there. a it's a decent. It is a decent shirt. You could win it uh, again by just viewing and listening to this podcast. So one myth in, you've put it to bed. You didn't miss that penalty on purpose. The other big one, Rob, and again it's a conversation we've had numerous times before. The Everton goal celebration. It, it's probably the, the biggest. I guess one of the biggest kind of controversies surrounding yourself, the, the celebration against Everton, I think back in 1999, Anfield 3-2 was the final score. You scored a penalty and then it's pretty well documented how you celebrated. The backstory to that, please, and, and be honest with us.
1: Yeah, well, the, the backstory was, obviously, because I, I was out in Liverpool and, you know, people were, were putting stories about me, uh, you know, going out and doing uh, recreational drugs, uh, shall we say, uh, and it was probably a, a moment in my life where, I mean I'm obviously never really too bothered what people think about me, but that was a tough time for me because everywhere I went I was getting sick and I was getting accused of everything and uh, I had people writing on the wall outside my house that I was a, you know, a smack head, I was a drug taker, I was this and I was that. And, and it used to affect me. so. I always believed it was the Everton fans, you know, where it came from. And uh, look, regardless of what people think about me, as I said before, you know, I think the fact is I don't always well against Everton, and uh, you know, Everton fans disliked me. Not all of them, admittedly, but you know, the majority did because I'd, I'd scored against Everton. But maybe because I grew up an Everton fan, and they didn't like that fact. But I just felt every time I went out or every time I was walking through town, you know, I, I would I would get someone giving me stick over over drugs. Uh, and I'm very, very anti-drugs, to be honest. And it, and it affected me. You know, I've had problems within my family with drugs. And you know, if people sort of know the, you know, the depths of what uh, what my family has gone through, then you know, you you think twice about you know, labelling or you know, target me with that. And uh, it affected me. I mean, you can imagine yourself. Imagine you waking up one morning, you've got people, you know, out, well, not people outside my house, but people at uh, been outside my house and. And, and graffiti on the wall, and I mean, it was it, it was just incredible. And I went, Oh my god, I, I, this this needs to stop. So I, I didn't know how to stop it. And I always said to myself, Well, next time I play against Everton and if I score, I'm just going to get on my hands and knees and, and mimic doing what users are saying I'm going to do. Well, uh, users are mimicking, so I'm going to mimic what users are saying I'm doing. Uh, and I mean, the first game I actually did score a penalty, and I, I knew straight away what I was doing. Uh, I was always going to do it. It was planned. It was premeditated, and it was just a little bit of a, a little bit of a kick in the backside to all the Everton fans. I think the, uh, I think certainly Anfield Road end was was full of Everton fans, and I think a lot of them did laugh. To be fair, a lot of them did uh, did, did did know what it was all about, but then obviously you get all the uh, the ones who were offended by everything, um, who who just didn't like what I was uh, what I was doing, so uh, they complained and. Uh, and it, again we go back to the Gerard Hooley, uh obviously incident as well Gerard Holey came out after the game, and his support for me then was just unbelievable uh, it was massive and and something that I massively massively appre- appreciated because of the amount of stick I was taking uh, and he um, He just came out and said oh, he was just you know practicing eating the grass like what Rig-A-Bird song does in, in Cameroon, and I actually felt sorry for Gerard for coming out and saying that because I think every man and his dog knew exactly what I was doing, but Gerard being Gerard, wanted to come out and support his team and, and you know stuck up for me so much uh, and I actually went oh my god i can 't believe he 's actually believing that but, and uh, yeah so it was just a case of I had loads and loads of sticks, so it was just me of uh, maybe a way of getting my uh, my own back um, I, but I, always, I know what you can say chris but it 's always a case of look, people always say do a regretter. I regret, I regret all the things afterwards because people think people don't really know the story. People don't really know the story of why I did it. And people think, are oh, you doing it because you're, you like that type of thing? So I regret that. Uh, but I don't regret doing it for the ones who knew why I was doing it. Yeah.
0: Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does, yeah absolutely it does and, and, and an aside here Rob because I was obviously doing research of the incident and it was the biggest fine at the time it was the biggest fine that the FA had handed out to any player do you remember how much it was? Uh, 60 Cheapers. did the wife talk to you for a few days or she, she would have given you the silent treatment for a few days after that right? Yeah. That, that's no that was noble that was noble <laughs> but hey that, that, yeah, that was g- g- noble. give us insight on that Rob I've always wondered see when you pay a fine to the FA how does it work does, does the club does it come straight out of the pay packet or have you got a wire transfer <laughs> that money over yeah, no, to yeah.
1: well yeah no, no it's just straight out of my wages yeah so yeah it's obviously um, yeah it was straight out of your pay packet so
0: and it's a, an yeah, incident it's nice, that, no it's not and, and as no, you've got older nice. you, you've stuck to that, that you regret it for the reasons why the, the the stigma perhaps but you certainly don't regret it for those that knew exactly what that was a repost yeah, to the stick yeah. that you were getting that's fair enough Yeah, I,
1: and, and I, that's probably the unfortunate thing is you know people don't really understand why I did it or oh, there's lots and lots of people who don't understand why I did it and uh, I know it's, there's a little bit of seriousness uh, involved in this but uh, I just felt it was it was justified and why I needed to do it. It was just a case of look, I'm doing this to you because you've wound me up so I'm winding you up back and people don't people don't understand what happened beforehand, people don't know what I went through, mm. people don't understand, you know, me walking through, you know, Liverpool city centre, you know, getting absolutely mullered uh, you know, in bars, nightclubs, the amount of stick I was taking, you know, people writing on my walls, uh, you know, outside my house, people writing on my car. Uh I mean it was just Quite incredible um and yeah it was just it was just not a nice not a nice period of my life you know having to uh,
0: to explain her all the time. Yeah, fair enough on that front, Rob. So that's two stories that I think are well-documented. People will be aware of those. The other big one, Rob, and I've laughed about this with you in the past as well, that you are, whenever your name pops up, obviously God and Liverpool legend, and you went on to play for Man City and Leeds and Blackburn as well. The other big thing about Robbie Fowler is that he owns about 10,000 properties in the UK that you are this property magnate that no one has more properties in the UK than Mr Robbie Fowler is that true?
1: Uh, Well I wish it was (laughs) I mean look I I did obviously play football yeah of course I invested in them and I I did have a few but I'm not sure where the uh, where the stories come from about all the, the amounts or but it got again it's getting to the point where you know the more you say stuff, and you know people bring it up, bring it up all the time, and if you're trying to rectify it and, and trying to right all the wrongs all the time, I th- people sometimes don't even listen. So in the end, you just go, oh, I just just let them be. And so I've, I've had a few. I mean, but absolutely nowhere near that number. That is just incredible. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I wish I did. in all fairness. <laughs> I wish I did. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, obviously when when I was playing football, it was just something that I I, I did get into in terms of my. Um, my financial advisor just recommended, and yeah, I went down the route. And it was, in all fairness, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't really claim credit because my, my wife, she done, a, she done a lot of the work as well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously jump, jumping onto her bandwagon <laughs> and I'm going to her coattails here. So, so she uh, was, uh,
0: you had no football. You had none, none of your teammates knocking in your door asking for property advice then. What one? Eh? I'm saying no. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah you, had, you had a lot, but, did you? Uh, yeah. No, that went over your head, that Chris, didn't it? It, it did, not
1: uh, Indeed. Uh, I did I, I had a few but not not as many as what people think in you know, all fairness so uh, but yeah I mean, I, funny enough I do still get um, <laughs> people ask me all the time and yeah I, I would advise them I've obviously got friends who are certainly into the property game uh, I'm involved with a, a, f- a few companies as, a, as an ambassador as well so yeah pe- people do sort of associate me uh, with obviously property but uh, again I mean what we'll say, I will say I love football so I mean all my, all my energy and all my my love went into the game uh, and obviously this is uh hence why i 'm i 'm doing what I do now because yeah. obviously culture and managing is for me is is the big thing you know it's it's not it 's not
0: bricks and mortar it's it's footballs and players. And it is and I think anyone listening to this might actually be somewhat surprised that you know you have been an a manager over in Malaysia we've talked about as well your stint down in Brisbane with the roar and in you
1: Hang oh I'll have to stop you there Thailand Chris, was it Malaysia
0: Thailand 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 my apologies Thailand yeah. somewhere over in that part of the world Thailand you yeah, were for a yeah. spell then Brisbane of course Brisbane roar and you were doing well back to back manager of the month awards before the pandemic hit now in India but your aspirations Rob you, you want to be a manager Back home one day,
1: right? I, I want to be the very best I can be, uh, and look, wherever that takes me, that it takes me there it is. So I think, ideally, you 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 always believe that you should be in the Premier League. Uh, but look, I'm savvy enough and clever enough to know that you know I'm i to do the best job I can, and, w- and wherever that takes me, um, you know we'll we'll see. So you know I have got aspirations, of course you have. You know I've got ambitions, uh, and I want to be the best. You know I'm learning all the time, uh, like I was when I was a player. You know, I was ambitious. I wanted to get better all the time, and that's exactly the same as what I am as a manager. You know, I have a good team around me, which I think is massively important. And uh, you know, I'm I'm on the right track to where I believe
0: I you know I want to be. Well, listen. We're going to keep a very close eye on what you're doing over in India, East Bengal, boss. And listen, I know there's a number of men you've already talked about, Gerard. And listen, just final one on him, and that comes to perhaps our next guest in episode two of the new Robbie Fowler podcast. Gerard, the best manager you played under? Um,
1: I mean, look, he's certainly up there. I, I, I think my, I mean, it's, it's, it's a it's an horrible question Chris to be fair because I've just said all the good things about Gerard and you know what he is as a man but he he wasn't my my best manager because I never I never played that much under him Um, again that might have been my fault Uh, you know in fact it probably was my fault to be fair for not for not adhering to what he was trying to get at the best out of me But I probably played my best football under Roy Evans. Uh, I mean, I've got a love for a lot of love for every manager I've played under. Uh, I mean, I go back as far as Graham Souness making my debut. Massively appreciate what he did for me, uh, giving me that chance. Uh, Roy Evans was was instrumental in a lot of the goodness that I brought, uh, scoring goals, playing games. Uh, You know, and and I felt probably more comfortable playing it because I was I was a regular. Um, But with obviously with with Gerard and, and with Rafa Benitez. I mean, technically and tactically, they are absolutely magnificent, really are. So Rafa was technically and tactically brilliant. Gerard was technically and tactically brilliant. Maybe lacked a little bit in terms of man management, which is what Roy Evans had in abundance. Uh, and Now, obviously, brings me full circle to, uh, you know, hopefully the uh, the next guest is, uh, is a man that we'd love to see on. Uh yeah. up the year now is, uh, is, is Jürgen. And I think he ticks every single box. Um, as, as a man manager, I think he's incredible. And as a you know, technical and tactical manager, I think he's incredible as well. So um, I think the modern, the modern football manager needs to tick all these boxes. And I think that's what, uh, what we have with Jürgen.
0: Yeah, you are a fanboy, a self-confessed fanboy of Jürgen. And no wonder because the job he's done. I mean, I said it at the top of the show, 30 years, Robbie, 30 years Liverpool waited for a league title. And Jurgen got the job done, and he will hopefully. But,
1: but you, but you know what, Chris? Yeah. Uh, look, you know, we, we don't talk about the past, do we? 30. I mean, that's what all you that's what you all you Man United fans used to say to us all the
0: time. So we, are, we don't need to talk about the past. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, we will get over the line. It, it is. It is Liverpool Man United, of course. Uh, next Sunday, United... I'm actually quite proud. I'm actually quite proud of myself <laughs> for just giving
1: you that little statement there, Chris. It's fine it's
0: fine though. Yeah. I will take it because- are, are,
1: are you open to get have some back straight away and look even forget about the result next week right. forget about the result it doesn't matter does it because You'll probably just end up talking about the past
0: you've done again, isn't it? Well, no, if we win next week at Anfield, we'll be talking about the win at Anfield. It's just I don't think United will go to Anfield and win, and that's despite the fact you've got no Virgil van Dijk, no Joe Gomez, Thiago Alcantara's coming back fit. But Listen, you're you're happy with the team and and where Liverpool are trending, right? Despite the injuries, you still make yourselves favourites for Sunday, and I guess you probably still make yourselves favourites for this title, right? I
1: think so. Uh, And look, it's not me being... Getting too carried away or too excited about Liverpool. I think Liverpool, certainly under Jurgen, um, the last four or five years, have been incredible. I think every year they progressed. Okay, this year's maybe a little bit of a bit of a stumbling block in terms of results and performances. Uh, but you know, you, you've mentioned a, a few major players or main players, uh, if you like, not not played. And look, everyone everyone will be in the same boat in terms of you know missing players. Uh, we all do that. And it's pointless moan about it. You've still got to go out there. You've still got to get the results. Uh, you've still got to do what's needed. Uh, the, the good thing about Liverpool now is, I mean, they're not firing all cylinders, uh, and, and they're still close to be where where they need to be, which is uh, at that you know the, the top of uh, that top top of that table. And that that's the big all. To be all and end all, isn't it? You want to finish the table, at the, so it doesn't matter how you get there. You know, it doesn't matter how you play. Uh, all that matters is the results and um, you know being at that top of the table and uh, Liverpool are are steadily uh, you know chipping away without playing unbelievable and, and they're still top so I think that puts them in good in a good place in all fairness because you know there's there's lots of teams behind who are playing well getting good results i.e. Man United are, um, I mean they are on the coattails I know they're, they're above us in the league in terms of what they are now but. Uh, they over the coattails uh, I mean they're playing really well at the minute but you know Liverpool aren't and, and Liverpool are still there or there about, thereabouts yeah. and I think Liverpool w- will change something will change and they'll, they'll start you'll pull it away from uh, teams again I really do <sighs> believe that but I know you might like this Chris as well but do the ones Man City I think Man yeah. City are class as well Man City are brilliant and we, we've had, had many a chat over the years haven't we about, about how good they are and how good they can be but what I, I do like about them this year is uh, like they're very, very sturdy, whereas you think of Man City teams in the past and it was all about the flair and the flamboyancy in the final third and how many goals he scored. And it was always a case of, uh, defensively, they're not, they're not much your teams can be get at. I know it's obviously a little bit of a, an absurd question because obviously the amount of goals he scored and you, you've actually got to get the ball off those players but uh, but now they look rock solid at the back, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not sure whether it, it might have uh, it might have even been fair. You said this, Alex, who said uh, you know, great players can win your games, but defences win your titles. And uh, I mean, City are probably. I would I, agree. I'd put them as I'd put them as favourites ahead of Liverpool. In all fairness, but just because of the way Liverpool are playing, but. Um, towards the end of season we'll we'll peak
0: Chris don't you worry Uh, yeah it has got me worried Rob that's the problem I am a worried boy ahead of the the finale to what is shaping up to be an incredible season I'm conscious of time Rob Uh, episode one the Robbie Fowler podcast brought to you by McDonald's McCafe that is great tasting coffee simple it's been great to have this little natter Rob we've been promising to do this as I say for many moons we've finally got here we got the technical gremlins to one side and let's. The first podcast in the bag, my friend. Well done, you. Good man, good man. Uh, Well done, you. Well done, you. I'm looking forward to rolling out this Robbie Fowler podcast series one. We're going to be joined by a number of Robbie's good friends. Your contact book, thankfully, is bigger than mine, Rob. That's the only thing that's bigger Uh, than mine. uh, uh, (laughs) Uh, To be fair, you are quite tall. (laughs) I was talking about the bank balance, Robert. I don't get paid all that much. You've got properties, you've got millions of properties back in the UK. You know? Yeah but we've got great guests we've got great guests coming up over the course of the next few weeks do download the Robbie Fowler podcast please do that subscribe to it give us a rating as well Robbie's the star of the show I'm merely here to uh, make him look good at least that's what I've been told in my contract but Rob bless you my man (laughs) love doing this episode one is in the bag and uh, quick prediction for Sunday then Liverpool against Man United it's a Marcus Rashford hat-trick is it not?
1: Uh, oh no what an horrible question that is right, look uh, my them. prediction is yeah my prediction is just a Liverpool win and I actually don't care what score because I, I, Liverpool will win in a
0: game I think they will confident,
1: the, I, I, the, that's, the, a, that's the, a confident the, Liverpool win the problem is the fact is that you're a man you and you're like oh, yeah I think
0: I think you'll win I'm a pessimist though
1: yeah but you know, to be fair if you, if you turn around to me and said I think we'll win I'll go yeah you're right Chris I think we will win because you are a Liverpool fan
0: I'm not a Liverpool
1: fan. Let's get yeah, that straight. Hey, hey, by the time hey, by the time these podcasts finish, you will
0: be a Liverpool fan, <laughs> and everyone in Dubai and all over the world will know you are a Liverpool fan. I will give you, <laughs> I will give you a quiz on all of this after this podcast finished, and I tell you what, I promise everyone watching and listening to this, because I'm going to get hammered back home by this, Rob. I am not a Liverpool fan. Here's one for you, Chris.
1: Here's one. So, so, so you know the um, so. So then the next podcast we do Right yeah. So this is obviously After the Liverpool Man United game Correct Now I can't do it Because obviously Because I'm associated with a club Now you're just a supporter Now
0: If Liverpool win <laughs> no I chance. think you should come on the podcast Wearing the Liverpool No chance And if Man United win You do likewise right I can't get hold of one Come on I can send you one I've got a week to send you Over to India I'll Amazon it Free plug for Amazon On this podcast I'll yeah, send but, but you You know, I,
1: I, you know I'm going gonna, gonna to stop you Right there as well You know why Because I've been waiting For football boots <laughs> To come through And they've been in customs For over <laughs> a month So I'm not sure Whether they'll get it, the, the shirt Will get here in time Chris. I, I, I know people hey, Listen you, you you, can easily pick up A Liverpool shirt In, um, in Dubai
0: I've got one It's going to be signed by you That is a deal If Liverpool win I will Maybe wear a Liverpool badge If Man United win Then I promise you You've got to wear that Man United kit next Next pod <laughs> Right That's it yeah, done uh, Yeah That's a deal No hang right? on
1: No you've, you've got to wear No you've got to wear the kit Not, You can't wear a Liverpool badge You've got to wear a top So a top If you, if you want This you know, A Liverpool top No A Liverpool top So you know In fact so, Why don't you wear a top That we won the league in Nah, I'm not doing that That'll be better. That'll be hey with, hey,
0: with that Premier League gold badge on the side as well <laughs> watch this space we've maybe got a deal there do tune in to episode 2 very special guest Robbie's hinted at it for episode 2 that is in the works we're looking forward to having you back here but as I say do subscribe do download the pod uh, do give us a rating as well and we'll be back episode 1 is in very much in the can Robbie Fowler busy man go and watch some tactical uh, opposition shaping nonsense get that done because you're unbeaten (laughs) in 4 we want to make it 5 before we speak again I'll, I'll try mate I'll try Good stuff. Robbie Fowler, the Robbie Fowler podcast. We will be back with episode two. Make sure to download every single Monday. It is in association with McDonald's here in the UAE. I'll say ta to you, Rob. We'll catch you up next week. See you soon, pal.
1: This has been the Robbie Fowler podcast.
0: Powered by McDonald's.
1: Hear it again and more of our podcasts at dubaii1038.com.